you ever wish that you could have a therapist as a friend? Well, now's your chance. I'm Marianne Griffith, and I'm the host of the Renewal Session Podcast, where each week we have real conversations about the messy and the meaningful things of life with me and some of my friends. I'm a therapist who's passionate about helping people break free of strongholds and create a better life. Pull up a seat and let's dive in to a real conversation. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Renewal Session. We're going to jump right in. I'm Marianne, and I'm here with my co-host and daughter, Katie. Hi. Hey, how are you? (laughs) Sniffling. (laughs) I still have my runny nose. Um, Could that have anything to do with the fact that we're just recording back to back? Yeah, we just love this topic so much that we're just continuing on. We're recording two in one night. I know. exciting. But listen, the real reason for that is, we're getting ready to go on vacation and we don't want to miss. We're trying yeah. to be consistent we're just, here. We're just here to provide. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So, <laughs> so again, if you are jumping in, we want to encourage you to jump backwards and listen to the beginning of this series, Yeah. which really started with us laying the foundation for renewing our minds Yep. and ultimately redefining our relationships. Yeah. Right. Yep. So we started with how to overcome limiting beliefs. Where do they originate from? Right. Then we moved into because of our wounds and our trauma and those limiting beliefs, we created these relational masks, Mm -hmm. right? Those masks then left us feeling like, can we trust ourselves to make healthy, meaningful, safe relationships, right? right? So we want to teach people how to spot emotionally unsafe people. And so last time we talked about three types of unsafe people. We said there's the abandoner, the critic, and the irresponsibles. And we were even able to, towards the end of that um, episode, to identify that your relational mask of savior actually corresponded with your picking of an irresponsible type of person. Yeah, even in friendships also. Yeah. I thought that was really an interesting, like, boom, right there at the end. Yeah. Like, huh. Yeah. Who knew? Totally. Yeah. So these things really do tie together. We're not just linking them together because we want to. Right. We actually think it applies. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we we took this material and are adapting it, but it's originally from Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend, their book safe people, but you may know those authors also from another book called Boundaries. Right. And that's a wonderful book. And as we continue to begin to redefine our relationships, we're going to start to talk about boundaries and how to set um, healthy boundaries, how to respect people's boundaries, just overall how to have a relationship that is about mutual respect for one another. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. But today's episode, we're going to talk about 11 personality traits of unsafe people. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And we're not going to stop and narrate and give a, give an example for every one of those 11, but we certainly want to make the point. If you, you come away with this one point, the one point is, is that at any point in life, any one of us, can demonstrate qualities like this right there are moments where all of us can be unsafe for other people in our lives yeah, because of whatever triggers, reason wounds, yeah. stuff yeah. right 
So we are not simply saying, oh, all these other people are unsafe that have these qualities. But not me. But not me. I'm totally safe. I'm perfect. Right. Right. We're not saying that. But what we are saying is there are certain traits when taken to their extreme and are happening consistently within the relationship that point to a sense of emotional unsafe. Yeah. People. Totally. Okay. Yep. Okay. So we're going to start right here. Number one, they think they have it all together instead of admitting their weaknesses. Now, I know I said I was not going to narrate or give a story, you know, for each one of these. Starting off strong. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead and narrate. But, but here's the thing. (laughs) I, I actually grew up with a lot of people in my life who lived with this, everything is fine. Everything is perfect. We have it all together. Yeah. And didn't show anything weak to the outside world. In the meantime, so much was falling apart behind the scenes, right? But that vulnerability and that weakness was not allowed to be seen. But on top of that, what that meant was within my family of origin in particular, because everybody had it all together, there was a challenge to being able to admit when you'd made a mistake, right? I can't, I can't share with you um, or circle back and say, Hey, sorry, didn't, didn't love how I treated you there. Those things didn't happen. So there wasn't um, a basis for equality in our conversations. And that leads to number two. And this is, and this doesn't happen in all religious homes. But a lot of a lot of times legalism, so in homes where there is a faith base, yeah, if there is legalism, there can also be a sense of emotional unsafety. Yeah, right. Yep. Um, I think, and this is a long-standing debate. I'm not a new age spiritualist kind of person. However, I will say that my that when I am attuned to my spiritual nature right what ends up happening is i put myself in a posture of introspection and vulnerability because i'm desiring growth and change right when i am in my more legalistic state or i've been in relationships with people that have been more legalistic what has happened is it it is very restrictive yeah of what can be shared i can't be fully me yeah. Because it's already been set up that there's a black and white, right or wrong, good or bad kind of thinking. Right. Right. So number one is they have it all together and they can't admit weakness. Number two is that legalism yeah. can can really squelch the individuality and the and the individual's voice within a relationship. Right. Okay. Well, number three. Unsafe people are defensive instead of open to feedback. Mm. Yeah. I I think that um, I can be this way on a Tuesday and then introspective on a Wednesday. And then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that this, um, I think that all people experience this. I think if you're approached the wrong way, yeah. it's very easy to become defensive. And so I think, you know, calling so, just because somebody is defensive once does not mean that they are always an unsafe person, but maybe that situation that you're in might be unsafe, if that makes sense. Say more. 
like if I came to you and I had a really hard day and you were like, no, I just don't have the space emotionally to listen to that right now. That would probably be an unsafe situation for me to pour my guts out and tell you all of my emotional stuff, right? Because it won't be received the way that I'm needing it to be received. People do that a lot. I feel like, you know, where there are markers about the other person's mood or temperament, right? That we miss. And then we put ourselves in these emotionally vulnerable situations, wishing or feedback or comfort or encouragement right only to find out that the person has no interest right in caring about what we're talking about right, right. so i'm glad that you pointed out that on any given day one yeah. or more of us can look this way but what we're talking about is a consistent yeah. type of behavior where the person when met with anything that needs to be worked out from a yeah. critical point of view, they get defensive and they're not willing to take any critical yeah. Uh, feedback. Yeah. Like if you have a friend and you are trying to connect with them on a deeper level and you say, Hey, you know, I've noticed that you're not calling me back when I call and they automatically get defensive. That could be a clue that that's a hard thing for them. You know what I'm saying? So it might, that might feel like an unsafe situation. So just something to keep in, in mind, I guess. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. So number four is an unsafe person can be self-righteous instead of humble. Yeah. Okay. This is an interesting one because, you know, a lot of times when we use the word self-righteous, we use this um, in the context of a faith-based community. Yeah. Right. I don't typically hear this talked about, um, outside of people who are Christians. Mm. Yeah. I don't either. Right. Really. Yeah. Right. But, but I think, I guess I, I don't even know how that translates to outside. <laughs> I've only ever heard it used in Christian communities. So like how is a non-Christian person self-righteous? What does that mean? I think they think they're right all the time. Oh, okay. Then yeah. Yeah. You just change, you know, oh, they just think they know everything. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. It's just different languaging. But, um, but I was thinking about this a lot of times when I hear other people's stories, right? Like something's going on, going on in their lives. Yeah. But I'm hearing it from a third party. Mm -hmm. Typically it comes across as if whoever's sharing the story doesn't have that problem. Oh yeah. Right. Like they, they can't put themselves in the other person's shoes and say, Oh, maybe I would respond that way too. They, they lack the insight to be able to say, um, you know what? I get it. Mm -hmm. Right. The person who has a lot of I'm right. And the way I think about life is right. Lacks that ability to, be introspective enough to say maybe I would be the same way if I had their story too yeah yeah right so again these are these not all right people at all times right are are like this but this is generally speaking a quality that can exist with unsafe people yeah right okay Ooh, this is an interesting one and your father says do you guys ever go an episode without bringing me up but this was a real trigger one for me. And I'll tell a story about this one um, in a second, but number five, 
only apologizers instead of changing their behavior. Apologizers. Right, they're only an apologizer. Yeah, but I just thought it was funny. You were like, only apologizers instead of changing. <laughs> it was just funny. Because <laughs> I know I knew what your brain was doing. You were reading it off the paper, but then you added an S, and it was like funny. Whatever. Anyway, they only apologize instead of actually changing their behavior. Yeah, so this was a really big deal for me growing up. And, and today, actually, as I was typing this out in preparation for us to talk about it, right? this was the one that really, like, I went, holy cow, I had just some new insight about this. So let me explain what, what I mean by this. So when your father and I were first married, and we would get into an argument, and he would say, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. My definition of I'm sorry meant, you oh, never- you're not going to do it again. Why'd you jump in there? Because like I grew up hearing that. Yes. Yeah. Sorry means I'm, you're not going to do that again. Never going to do it again. Right. Yeah. And as I was reading this book, yeah, what what the authors said was that people who are quick to apologize, mm-hmm. the reason they feel unsafe to the other person receiving the apology, right, is because there's no evidence of true remorse or repentance that yeah. would need to change. Right. So it isn't that you you have to have perfect behavior afterwards, but rather that it's I want to see some fruit of totally your remorse. Totally. Right. Yep. Now growing up, there was a lot of in my family, sorry. Yeah. And sorry actually just was like a throw-in word, right? It, it, it didn't, nothing changed as a result of sorry. There was no self-awareness that was cultivated as a result of I'm sorry. So this was a real trigger of mine. Yeah. So I, I, as I was reading it today, I thought, gosh, the reason I would get so worked up about this is because I grew up and this was an emotionally unsafe word for me. Yeah. Growing up. Yeah. Because it meant Sorry didn't mean I was going to change my behavior. Yeah. Your father, I perceive as a very safe, emotionally safe person. Right. Well, safe, period. Right. But emotionally safe, and yet he was a quick apologizer. Right. So I was very triggered by that because I desperately wanted his sorry to mean change. Something substantial. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are, right? I've been married, what, almost 30 years this year? And to look at that and go, wow. Yeah. Light bulb moment. So it just goes to show you. Yeah. That it could take years to try to totally sort through why we get triggered. Right. At different points. Yeah. Okay. So you give it to us. Now, what's number six? All right. They avoid working on their problems instead of dealing with them. I think that there are a lot of people in the world that work harder at avoiding their problems than they would work on fixing their problems. Why do you think that is? Because what, I, what, why, did, why is that easier? Well, because instead of actually facing your demons, you're just creating new, I think it's almost like creating resources for yourself. Like it, it feels like, Oh, I'm making resources cause I'm trying to fix the problem by making a, like, you know, like six lefts doesn't equal a right. But I think we all get it stuck in the cycle of like, Oh, I can keep trying to, lie my way out of it or I can keep trying to buy my way out of it 
in order to fix whatever my problem is. Like I'm going to open six, six credit cards. So that way I have money to pay for the things that I need. And then once I have the things I need, then it'll all fix itself. Is that a confession? No, I'm just saying that's like, <laughs> that, that's a, that's an example of like a physical example of how I think people sometimes will work harder at, you know, maintaining a lie in order to, you know what I'm saying? Deal like to deal with their problem. If yeah. That makes sense. Well, and another example of that also is like, have you ever been with a person that is struggling with something and you'll, you'll say, well, did you tell them that you didn't like how they spoke to you? Right. And they'll go, no. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be like, I'll say, well, what, why don't you tell them that you didn't like that? Nothing's going to change. Why would I bother? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think to myself, sometimes what is difficult to understand yeah. is that some people just like to complain. Yeah, that's true. They don't actually want to deal with the issue. Right. They don't want to change it. They just want to complain about it. Right. Right. Well, for me, being in, re- I don't, I'm not, I'm not open to having relationships with people who are not going to work on the issues that keep us separate or keep us in unhealthy patterns of behavior of relating. Right. Right. So I think for me, I look at that and I think this person feels familiar to me, the complaining, but not dealing with it person. Yeah. It's just that I don't want to be in that kind of relationship. Right. I want to be constantly uh, bettering myself and creating a, a, a foundation or an environment to allow the other people in my life to better themselves. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's an example. This person's not necessarily toxic. They're just not best for me. Right. Right. Yeah. That's not how I want to do relationship. Right. And that's what this list is about is, is about saying, <laughs> do I want to do relationship with people that have to be right all the time versus have the ability to be humble? Yeah. And admit their weaknesses. Yeah, or the person that pushes off dealing with their problems so much that it becomes somebody else's burden. Exactly. I think that that's another part of this whole avoiding dealing with their problems thing is a lot of the times those problems build up so much that they leak out into other relationships. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like they can be angry at their dad, but the more anger that they harbor towards their dad, the less they deal with that, the more it seeps out into their other relationships. Correct. And I think that that can be another sign that that person might not be the safest person to go and tell your stuff to. Right. You know, which kind of leads us into number seven, which is they demand the trust, but they don't want to earn it. Yeah. I think a lot of people do this. Um, Like we were, uh, I think in the last episode, we talked about sharing stories as a way of buying intimacy. Yes. I think we talked about that. I think there are some people that like, you know, they want to know the juicy gossip in your life. So they'll tell you like a mediocrely kind of saucy story in hopes that you'll tell them your stuff, you know? So you got to keep an eye out for the people that are just fishing for your gossip. Yeah. Or the other side of that is that this person goes and does something that is, you know, I guess unethical or immoral. Right. And they expect your trust, but they've done nothing to earn it. Right. Like they want you to keep their dirty little secret. Right. And it's like, wait, that's not fair to me. Don't put me in that position to be responsible for something that you're doing. 
you've done nothing to earn. Yeah, like ch- challenges your morals. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. go. Okay, what's yeah. next? Eight is um, believe that they are perfect instead of admitting their faults. That kind of loops back to the self-righteous thing and the humble thing. But I think that this one touches more on the beliefs that they're perfect. So they might be the person that becomes defensive, you know? So that those two kind of personality traits might go hand in hand. Um, but the believing that they're perfect instead of admitting their faults, I think speaks more to, well, this is a sneaky one. Yeah. Because let me tell you, I had a friend uh, and I say that in past tense, but we're not, not friends. It's just, it was just a season of life. Right. But I had a friend that really everything about them appeared like they had their act together. Right. You know, they were, they were beautiful. They, they weren't too much of anything they blended nicely everybody liked them but then you started to realize like there was no there was no vulnerability there was no evidence of any flaws in their lives when they went to to share anything other people around them were sharing intimate stuff right and they're just there collecting prayer requests of other people (laughs) right like and so so i think for me the part of the reason that that maintained that relationship went seasonal was because as much as I enjoyed that person, yeah, I I I very much wanted to have reciprocal, yeah, like Equal. in the trenches, yeah. me be me, you be you, let's work it out together relationships. Yeah, like an equalized intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. And what I was getting was a whole lot of yeah that's terrible and they share nothing yeah and i was like okay well this this is for the birds yeah i can see where this is going this is just going to end up with i'm a loser (laughs) in this scenario right 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 okay so number nine what do you got the they blame others instead of taking responsibility i think that they can i think this what Oh, I just I wondered what you were gonna share. Oh, I was story for this. I was just thinking. I think when it says blame others, I think not only are they blaming others like on a micro level, like one other individual or maybe like a group of people, but also systems. I think that sometimes people will blame systems for their lack of responsibility. Oh, interesting. You know, like oh the school or oh the government or oh whatever. I think that sometimes people will use that as kind of like a cop out for their own irresponsibility. Right. So maybe that's the best way to say this, right? Is a person that constantly has a cop out, has a cop out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So number 10, that they will lie instead of telling the truth. Right. Right. And, and, and we know because we come from a group of uh, storytelling people. Oh my gosh. Yes, we do. Oh, right. Should I tell them about our ancestry? What is happening? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, she, so mom's downplaying how much of a lying family we come from. I, I but my I, uncle, what was his name? Chester in Tennessee. Oh, uh, well, it wasn't your uncle. He was your great, great grandfather, great, great grandfather. Uh, grandpa Chet yes. won the, the state Uncle couples. Yeah. He won like a state lying competition, like two years in a row or something like that yeah. for telling the tallest tale. And so we have like the newspaper clipping of that, which I think is kind of funny. Yeah, I need to frame it actually. Yeah. It's but I think lot. that's a southern thing. I think people telling stories is a southern thing. But this is this goes beyond that. This is like straight out, flatten out lie. Yeah, and 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 it's it's sometimes it's 
I don't want you to find out something because it's immoral or unethical or, yeah. or what have you. And sometimes it's lying just because I want to make myself look better. Right. But it's when there is the ability to tell the truth, but the person is unwilling to do it because they have their interest at heart over the relationships. Yeah. Heart, yeah. Right? Totally. And so I want to be in a relationship with people that I, I believe yeah. what comes out of their mouths. Right. Right. Yep. And, and I recognize that, you know, every person I've never met a person that hasn't told a lie. Right. Or, or expanded on something right. for the purposes of effect, but a little flavor to the story, but, but this is different. This is, this was, a, is within the context of friendships or love relationships. Yeah. And wanting to be with somebody that tells you the truth. Right. Right. Yeah. So that you can rest easy and to have a sense of security. Yeah. So the final one is a person that has no interest in personal growth. Yeah. I think that that's a very valid one because if you think about it, I think everybody in their life has somebody where it feels like that person has like stood still in time. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between complacency. Yeah. And genuine disinterest in being any different or better than they were. Yeah. Even if it is harming a relationship, because remember right. again, this goes back to relationship. Do you, and when you think of all 11 of these, yeah. right, put the words, do you want to be in a relationship with a person that blank, right? Right. That's stagnant and is not interested in personal growth yeah. for me. No, that's not an option. Yeah. It's not an option right. because I, I believe that there is so much out there to learn and grow from and get to build, you know, just great conversation and depth and intimacy around. I don't want to be with somebody who, who's like living life on autopilot. Yeah. Well, right? and I think when people do that, you know, it almost puts you in a, in a feeling of if I grow too much, this relationship is in jeopardy. Exactly. Because they're not going to know how to deal with me. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so these are, these are just some of the personal traits yeah. of unsafe people. Yeah. Again, we have to go backwards and say, do I want to be in a relationship with somebody that demonstrates these traits? Yeah. No, me personally, I want to have much more equal, honest and open, transparent relationship. Yeah. But again, and I cannot emphasize this enough. Right. Okay. These are patterns of behavior. These are not one-offs, bad moods. Yeah. You know, my menstrual cycle might be starting tomorrow. Right. <laughs> Behaviors. Yeah. You caught me while I was cooking dinner. Right. Right. So, you know, we're talking about patterns of behavior. We're talking about that feeling inside of yourself that says, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel fulfilling. This doesn't feel life-giving. Yeah, it gives you the ick. Right? And and I think that's an important thing is to be able to, as we increase our wisdom and discernment, we are able to make these kinds of choices. Yeah. And as we know better we and do better. we trust ourselves about more, we do better. Right. Right. Well, I think it's also important to note that um, last episode we talked about the three types of unsafe people, the abandoner, the critic, and the irresponsible. 
any one of those personalities can have these traits. Like yes. all of these apply to those three. Yes. Yeah. So I yes. think that that's also important yeah. to note as well. Okay. Yeah. So we're coming to a close on this. Yeah. We want to remind people that on June 6th, we are going to have a Facebook live. Where we're going to, yeah, look at you all excited. I know. We'll come back from our trip tan and ready to go. Um, but in order for us to have something to talk about, because, you know, Katie and I can't come up with anything on our own. Right. Um, we would like you to jump on our Facebook page for the renewal session and like the page, friend us, and then get in our DMs or our messages yeah. or, or just a status update within the group. Yeah. Ask us a question that we can answer on the 6th for you. Yep. If for some reason you aren't able to be there when we go live, which will be, I believe, I think we said 6 p.m. Yeah. Central Standard Time. Perfect. Okay. When we go live at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time on June 6th to answer any questions that you may have for us, we don't we don't want to be staring at each other. Yeah. I mean, we do that when we're recording anyway. I know. So, I mean, I want to mix it up a little bit. I'm tired. Yeah. Of, so know. give it to us, people. Okay. So you can go to Instagram for the renewal session. Yeah. Facebook for the renewal session. You can email us. You can find us on our session. personal pages. Yeah. Yep. You got it. You got it. Find us, find us somewhere. Send us your questions and we will talk specifically to you. I can't wait. That'll be fun. It's going to look cute. We're going to look cute and it's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm going to look cute. I'm I don't think some of these people have ever seen us probably. Katie, it's not like we're mysterious people. They can look us up. Right, I'm just saying, like some of them, I we might not have met before, so yeah, like, they we might, might be have, like, wow, they're really cute. who knows? Maybe who we ha maybe we have listeners in Florida or something. Who knows? No, we actually do know that we have listeners in Bosnia. Really? Isn't that crazy? Oh my gosh! If you have a question from Bosnia, figure out what time it's going to be on and join us. I can't wait. That'll be fun. All right, people, we will see you back next week where we will wrap up this series on. How to spot emotionally unsafe people. And we are going to look at nine interpersonal traits of unsafe people. Sounds fun. See you then. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Renewal Session Podcast. Make sure to head on over to iTunes and rate and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are dropping every Thursday. And I can't wait for you to tune in to next time. Until then... Live your best life.